Do you struggle with your diet and have difficulty losing weight? Or do you find yourself eating constantly or reacting badly to certain foods, even those that are supposed to be good for you? Your body is very complicated, and when you have adrenal fatigue, it can react in unexpected and sometimes even damaging ways. If you have adrenal fatigue and struggle with food and food sensitivities in your diet, we are here to help. This is the Dr. Lam Show, and we're here to empower you to take control of your health. If you find uh, the show very useful and you like the topics, make sure you hit the like button and subscribe and watch our YouTube channel too. This is the best way to make the show more visible so that other people who need the information can find it. So thank you for joining us today. I'm Dr. Carrie Lam and I've specialized in family medicine and also holistic health for many, many years. And hi, I'm Dr. Jeremy Lam. I'm an expert in chronic conditions and also preventative health. So first off, let's take a look at one of the issues that most often interfere with your desires to lose weight, and that's constant hunger. So why do people with adrenal fatigue have to eat so often? And why do they get this constant hunger? And one of the problems is because of the body's stress response. And so when your body is stressed, you know, uh, metabolically, it wants to keep on fighting the stress. And so your body is running on sugar. And so when stress arrives, the body needs more sugar to overcome stress. Now, sugar load in our body tends to go down uh, when you encounter stress because it's been used up. Right. So it's like a gasoline tank. The faster you're on the car when there's more stress, the faster you run down the tank of gasoline. And therefore, you need to have gas that's replenished. And so for people with a lot of stress, they have the feeling of eating because their insulin level goes down or up. And it's just marginally, as we are talking about. So the sugar level can be affected and also the insulin level can be affected. Now, do certain foods actually make people more hungry, Dr. Kerry? Yeah, so definitely the type of food uh, can make a difference on your hunger levels. And those are the types of food that tend to be broken down faster. Uh, those are high glycemic foods. So carbohydrates that tend to be broken down much easier and generate the energy when they leave the body, those are higher glycemic foods. Um, on the other hand, you have protein and fats that can be a little more sustaining and they don't break down as fast as carbohydrates do. And so it depends on the kind of breakdown in terms of proportion and how much energy it gives your body. And so that's why when you eat a piece of bread or pasta or crackers or cakes, you get really hungry soon after because it really spikes your insulin much faster than protein like beans or nuts would. Uh, and so the protein or the fibrous foods would probably make you feel fuller longer. So Dr. Jeremy, what's the physiology behind this hypoglycemia or low sugar feeling? Right, so you know, sugar imbalance in the setting of adrenal fatigue is not necessarily just straight hypoglycemia like we know it. Uh, you know, meaning that their sugars is not technically low in the blood. 
In fact, their sugar could be normal, but they feel irritable. They feel a sense of shakiness, jitteriness, not feeling so nice. And you know, they feel better when they have more snacks in their mouth on a frequent basis. Now, how does this happen if their blood sugar levels are not actually low? And the best way to think of it is just like, you know, you're coming, going up on a roller coaster. And when you're coming down in a roller coaster, you know, uh, it's not really that drop. It's more of that drop in the, the roller coaster that's causing your heart to kind of beat really fast. And so that's the same thing with blood sugar, where it could be this rapid drop in blood sugar that can also be leaving you with that sensation of uh, hypoglycemia, even though the levels are actually normal. And this is normally regulated. But if this regulation is compromised, such as in adrenal fatigue, then you start to have those feelings of jitteriness and low sugars, even though, again, that level is not actually low. Right. So you, if you actually check your blood sugar levels, like you said, the, the actual absolute number might not be low, but it's just the relative drop um, that makes you feel that uh, hunger and that, that sugar drop uh, hypoglycemia feelings, right? So if you're healthy, you might have the ability to reduce this, this drop or this hanger feeling and balance the sugar in the way that your body wants. However, if you have this neuroendometabolic stress response that is affecting the bioenergetic circuit, where it is the regulation of your body by sugar and stress, then you might have even more unbalanced sugar feelings throughout the day. So before you eat, during your eat, after you eat from one meal to another, you might have these spikes all throughout the day. And with these spikes comes heart palpitations or feelings of dropping of sugar or jittery or wide and tired. Even at night, it might wake you up at night because you get hungry at night, right? When there's no food, you're fasting at night, uh, your body has to regulate to be able to break down the energy. But if it, it gets hungry in the middle of the night, you might you might wake up and um, that might not be a very comfortable you, uh, way of dealing with this hunger. So this bioenergetic circuit is such a critical part and intertwined with this adrenal fatigue um, that, that a lot of people have. And so what are the key organs that we talk about in the bioenergetic circuit? So the key organs that are in the bioenergetic circuit is first the thyroid, uh, the liver, and the pancreas. Now the thyroid is responsible for your metabolism and giving you the energy that you need to be able to function. The pancreas puts up insulin, which regulates the blood sugar in your body. And lastly, the liver, which is gonna be part of detoxing your body as well as processing and metabolizing the toxins in your body. And so these three are very important in the bioenergetic circuit. But other signs of bioenergetic circuit dysfunction is, you know, uh, after food, you can feel sluggish. Uh, you can feel the need to repeat like uh, eating foods. Sometimes you can have a dull ache in the liver area. Uh, sometimes you can also have brain, fo brain fog or really just kind of difficulty concentrating and not being able to remember certain things. Other symptoms include, you know, migrating discomforts around the joints that move around. And some people might also have a hard time losing weight or sometimes even gaining weight as well. 
So all these can point to really a bioenergetic circuit disruption. Right, so if you're the type of adrenal fatigue sufferer that feels hungry every two hours to three hours, um, you have to look at what you're actually doing in terms of your metabolic structure curve, okay? Uh, listen to your body, take a, a very detailed history with a knowledgeable person and practitioner to be able to help you to kind of map out what your body needs in terms of uh, the type of food to eat, how often. So if your body says, you know, you need food every two hours, listen to your body, give it a snack. But instead of taking a, a high carb snack, do it with protein or fat, okay? Or broth, which is very good. And so listen to your body about when it needs the food and when it doesn't need food, okay? And your body will change with time and you should see the sugar cravings and the hunger go away with time as you continue to balance all the other circuits in your body. So depending on each person, you can eat every two hours or you can eat every three hours. As you get stronger, the less disruption you should have until the body kicks in. So um, then the signs might be as your body gets better and better and you start healing from your adrenal fatigue, you might not need to eat as often, okay? So these are the basics behind the feelings of constant hunger that may be messing up your diet efforts and the sugar roller coaster in, uh, that we mentioned that can be very distressing, difficult to manage, can definitely be dealt with. So if you need more specialized help on your nutritional needs, you can definitely talk to one of our staff and when you call our phone number 714-709-8000 and we will be able to come and balance those hunger needs, tell you which snacks to take and uh, balance your sugars, okay? So Dr. Jeremy, tell us about this next issue that we're going to talk about that's very, very common. So, you know, a lot of people we hear with adrenal fatigue complain of food sensitivities. They're unable to eat normally what they can. Now, why is that? Well, first, let's discuss the difference between food sensitivity and a food allergy. This is a very important distinction because a food allergy is a medical situation that is mediated by IgE or immunoglobulin E. So this is when you hear people talking about they eat some peanuts and they can't breathe and they go into anaphylactic shock and they can actually die. So these are actually food allergies. Now, what we're going to be talking about is food sensitivities. And that's basically, you know, where you are building intolerance to certain types of food. But it's not to the, the degree where, you know, you're not able to function, such as food allergies. And so, Dr. Carey, what are the causes of food sensitivities? Right. So the way to look at food sensitivities, instead of looking at IgE, you might look at IgG, which is a another type of immunoglobulin. In addition, there are also other types of chemicals in your body responsible for sensitivities. Most commonly, one is called histamine, which is both a neurotransmitter and an immunomodulator, and it's all over your body in the different types of cells. And what does histamine do? It's a fundamental chemical that has stimulatory properties, but what it can do is produce alertness in your brain, cause vasodilation, meaning um, opening of your peripheral arteries, in the gut, it also has this type of uh, vasodilation effect. But if you have a lot of histamine in the body, 
You can also get some itching, okay, just like allergies, springtime allergies, um, maybe some sniffling, some congestion. You might also have migrating discomfort in your joints. You can have a brain fog if it's affecting your gut, um, sensitivities to different foods. And so um, what are some ways some people can deal with this when they have a lot of histamine, Dr. Jeremy? Well, the most obvious choice is to take an over-the-counter drug, right, that are antihistamines. And so they block the action of histamines, but this really is just a Band-Aid approach. It's not really causing the reduction of histamine, uh, but just solving the problems on a temporary basis. And that's why oftentimes, you know, people who take antihistamines, they don't uh, last very long. And oftentimes they find that they have to take more and more of this increasing dosing for, the, for it to help with the symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so having too much uh, histamines uh, can lead to itching, like we had mentioned before. And so the antihistamines can sometimes help with that. And where do we mostly get histamine from? Uh, if you are known to have a lot of food sensitivities, then you might think about a histamine diet uh, to reduce that histamine production. But what type of foods have a lot of histamine? They would be ones that are fermented or even leftovers, okay? Highly processed, uh, processed like fermented cheese, aged cheese, processed meats like sausages, salami, um, and even certain vegetables have more histamine than others like tomatoes, spinach, eggplant, they release a little more histamine than others. Um, and so these are not universal and uh, sometimes the histamine diet is a very hard diet to follow and it shouldn't be done long-term, right? Because it's very restrictive. Um, but if you find that, hey, you're, you're very inflamed and there's really nothing else, you just, um, you're just reacting to all the foods that you eat, you wanna think about this type of histamine diet where you can reduce your inflammation in your system, okay? A lot of times too, yeah, the antihistamine diet can be pretty hard to follow. So, you know, doing an elimination diet where you find what foods you're sensitive to in a guided way is also an appropriate way to kind of figure out what foods are causing your histamine overload. Mm -hmm. There are also some natural compounds in supplements that can be used, but it is very dose dependent and don't ever do it without a, 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 a experienced practitioner recommending it for you. And those compounds are like quercetin, bromelain, they have a kind of antihistaminic properties, okay? And even mangosteens actually have compounds that can help with histamine release and holy basil, okay? Um, but like I said, you have to make sure that it's right for your body and that you're on the right dose because sometimes if you just take one or two, it might not be enough. You need like six, uh, uh, three times a day in order for these type of more natural supplements to actually work, okay? And so vitamin C is also one of the great ones like bromelain and fish oil to reduce overall infl inflammation. And, and so looking at the whole person and how the adrenals are also related will be very important in that inflammation pathway. Also, if you've really enjoyed our podcast so far, I uh, invite you to like and subscribe and uh, definitely hit the bell below if you have any notification um, so that you can get notifications for every episode that we uh, put out every week.
Food sensitivities can be very subtle. So if you believe you have some of these subtle signs, don't try to fix them on your own because it could get worse. Don't be afraid to reach out and call us at 714-709-8000 for help from a nutritional expert. And lastly, the final part of today's podcast is going to be talking about fasting. So what are the some different ways that you can fast, Dr. Carey? Some people are, are, intermittent fasting is actually very, very popular nowadays, um, where they can fast for 16 to 18 hours. You eat two meals, whether it's breakfast and lunch or lunch and dinner within the span of six hours. And there are a lot of different types of fastings. Others can eat regularly for five days and then they fast for two whole days. That's another way of fasting. And then there are even more extreme fasts where people go for 10, 20, or even 40 days uh, at, at fasting centers and not eat anything, but just drinking water. And so we'll go through what's good and what's bad. So Dr. Jeremy, what are some benefits of these types of fasting? Well, fasting is actually beneficial because uh, in when you're fasting, you're basically depriving uh not only depriving your body from the food, it also makes sure that you don't put in extra food into your body. And so you're basically running on your reserve. So that portion is actually good because you're not putting extra food in. You are allowing your body to rest and you're also allowing the liver to work less. And so that's the key point is that your liver is working less in processing these uh, toxins and these metabolites. And in doing so, you're using up your reserve. And so that's the benefit in that process, you know, when you're using up that reserve, where you are metabolically less intense with food, then your insulin resistance gets better, your growth hormone output improves. And so, you know, those are some of the benefits that happens when you do fasting. And so it happens with not only just intermittent fasting, but uh, all the different types of fasting as well. But you just have to make sure that your body is in the right spot and in the right track that you're able to handle the fasting. Like, like, like let's say intermittent fasting, your body starts burning fat around 16 to 18 hours. And that's why that would be the reason you would fast for those 16 to 18 hours. And then when you try to have a high carb diet, uh, that actually cancels it out. So most people, when they do the fasting, it would be better to have a, a more fatty diet. So you would actually burn fat and not use the sugar, which is what your body really wants. And so in adrenal fatigue though, you want to have that fat replacement because actually fat is a critical building block for making all hormones like estrogen, testosterone, progesterone. So having the right quantity and proportion of fat is very important. Um, and we talked a little about also the long-term fasting, but you should definitely do it in a center and not just by yourself at home because it's important that you don't go into too much acidity in your blood. So you can go into ketosis, okay? And you wanna always make sure you get checked and you're hydrating enough because ketosis, ketogenic diets, they're words that are being thrown around a lot, but a real formal ketogenic diet actually requires a lot of preparation. Um, and so 
when your body goes into ketosis, it actually goes into a very acidic state, which you have to be strong enough to be able to handle. So a lot of times people with adrenal fatigue, if your body's already stressed out, you don't want to stress it out even more by uh, putting it into an acidic state. So um, never do fasting without your doctor's recommendation or if you have some experience in it. And if you're doing long-term fasting, definitely go to a center, right? Um, because a lot of times one of the, the most common, a, lot, a very common symptom of adrenal fatigue is actually hunger, right? We talked about that in the beginning of the podcast. And so if you actually have a lot of hunger and you, you ignore your body's signs of hunger and you fast instead, that can be also very stressful to your body. So listening to your, your body and giving it the right thing at the right time is very, very important. Right. And we want to give the body the proper time for nutrient feeding and also the proper time for rest. And so, you know, we always have people coming and patients coming and asking us, you know, is it good for me to fast? And it really, you have to take a personalized approach to whether your body can handle it or not. Right. Because fasting can crash your system. It can lead to irreversible damages, like Dr. Carey had mentioned. And if you're in the late stages of adrenal fatigue, that might be your case. If you're in the earlier stages, maybe you can handle it more if your body is strong. So it's really knowing when to uh, press on the gas with the fasting and also know when it's right, not the right time and that it could make things worse. And so it's also with uh, titrating, you know, those times properly as well. So there's a lot of ways to do fasting itself, but again, it should be done under supervision and not by yourself to really make sure that it's something that your body can handle. So we hope we answered a lot of your questions about tackling hunger, about food sensitivities, and also about fasting. And you always want to look at what the deeper issues are behind your food struggles. And if you're struggling with your diet or you want extra help with that, you can always have access to additional educational material online with us at lambclinic.com. Or you can call us at 714-709-8000 for a free nutritional initial phone call. And so we invite you to make sure you like, share, subscribe to our podcast, hit the bell for the notifications button for more future episodes on the Dr. Lamb Show. We're here to empower you to take control of your health. This podcast has been produced and broadcast solely for informational and educational purposes by Lamb Clinic. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice and have not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. The products and supplements discussed in this podcast are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you believe you may have a medical condition, please consult your own doctor. Opinions of guests are their own, and Lamb Clinic does not endorse or accept responsibility for any of the statements and views made by guests. The views and opinions of guests in the podcast are their own and do not reflect those of Lamb Clinic. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. In some cases, individuals on the podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in the products or services referred to herein. Podcast listeners should always seek the advice of their physicians or other qualified health providers with any questions they may have regarding their own medical conditions. Podcast listeners must always continue to follow the advice of their personal physicians for all of their medical needs.